You are listening to the Theologizing at Remedy podcast, a podcast of Remedy Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. The design of the podcast is to help the people at Remedy Church connect theology with community, mission, and care. Welcome to Theologizing at Remedy, a podcast um, that we're starting up, and this is really our very first episode. First one. First one. I'm Chris Miller, and he's... Fudd Chambers, or John Chambers, whichever one. And we're pastors here at Remedy Church. Um, so, Fudd, I figured for the first episode, you know, Remedy's been around for about 11 years. It has a mission statement. Yes. And we should probably talk about that since uh, this is our first episode. So our mission statement is Remedy Church exists to glorify God by fostering biblical community, joining Jesus on mission, and practicing intentional care. Can you briefly explain kind of how this mission statement came about? Yeah, well, um, well, this was probably the third iteration of our mission statement. We had a couple other ones that were more wordy, bigger, and uh, but I did write out a job description for the community group leaders at the time, and I told them, because I didn't want them to think that their job was to lead a Bible study, but instead to leave a, a group of 12 people in community mission and care. And so I would go through the whole job description and say, see, I never said Bible study here. You will do that, but that's not the, uh, the ongoing job necessarily. It's to lead in community mission and care. Well, about five or six years in, we realized that that um, was catchy and easy to remember. And we kind of refinagled it a little bit to be for the entire church instead of just the community group leaders. And then we, as the elders at the time, wrote this particular mission statement to cover the entire church. Remedy Church exists to glorify God by fostering biblical community, joining Jesus on mission, and practicing intentional care, community mission care, so that everything we do, every ministry, Sunday morning, throughout the whole week, that we're seeking to fulfill those three elements, community mission care. And by doing that, we think that we are being obedient to what the church is called to in the, to do in the New Testament. So since this is the mission of Remy Church, and it's also, I mean, pretty closely tied to why we're doing this podcast, right? This is a, a supplement, a help to uh, church members. Um, theologizing. Theologizing, right? Remedy we're talking church. about theology, and it's Connecting supposed to help. Connecting theology with community mission and care. And it's helping connect, right, our theology, as you were just saying. So let's, let's uh, look at these categories, and let's break them down one by one. So let's start with the first one. What exactly is biblical community? What do we mean by that in our statement? Right. Um, so it's what it means to be a covenant of people with each other um, in accordance with the scriptures. So we have the New Testament that tells us that we are a church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And there's the church all over the world. And there's each one of those in local expressions as a church, a local church. And so the church takes their cues of what it means to be a biblical community from the scriptures. So there's lots of places you could go and look in the scriptures to see all the things that are necessary for a church. Uh, one particular text that I like is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, where there's traits of what it means to be a biblical community. Now, you could go to other texts and find more, uh, but at least six different traits are given to us in that particular text in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 9. So when I think about 
What does it mean to be a biblical community at Remedy? These are some of the things that we would talk about, the traits of biblical community. Um, one, uh, it comes from verses 1 and 2 there. It says that you have a boldness in God that drives you to be willing to endure much to create biblical community. So when Paul got to Thessalonica, he wasn't there very long. Um, he sets up a community really, really quickly, and he cares about them uh, very deeply. But even though there was persecution, he was willing to endure that uh, persecution or willing to endure anything that happens in order to create biblical community. So one of the key traits is, is that you're willing to endure much. Whatever's going on, uh, if it's hard, you don't quit. You, you endure because you, you really believe that biblical community is not only good, but that it's necessary and you need to obey the scriptures. <clears throat> the next one uh, thing that a biblical community does is not only that they endure, but they also, uh, the second one is from verses 2 and verse 8, you understand the reason that you've been brought together is because of the gospel. And so you realize that you must share the gospel together uh, because you've been saved you want to share the gospel as well. So a biblical community endures much, but they also are sharing the gospel, not only with each other, but also to the world around them. A biblical community should share the gospel with other people. Another trait of biblical community comes from verse 5. He says, For we did not come with words of flattery, as you know, or a pretext for greed, God is witness. So whenever they came there, uh, they, they didn't come with words of flattery. They didn't come with a greedy mindset trying to just get. But instead, their dominant mindset in biblical community was to give. Um, we do receive in community. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but the dominant mindset we should have is how can I serve and give? If you're only a receiver, then uh, that can be bad. That can burn out the others. Uh, there will be seasons where you go through something, like whenever two years ago we had Evangeline, we were mostly receivers in that moment. Um, but our dominant mindset as community should be givers. Um, yeah, I think Jesus you know, tells us, right, he who loses his life will find it. Right, The principle of if we sacrifice, if we die to ourselves, then we will truly find life. That's the mindset in community, right. that we're coming to sacrifice on behalf of others. And we'll find ourselves blessed in that moment with life. Right. Um, the next one you see, and maybe the most important of biblical community, comes from verse 6. Nor did we seek glory from people, uh, which would help us see that the ultimate aim of biblical community is the glory of God. Um, the reason why we're doing community is because we want God to receive glory. That's another aspect of, of biblical community. Uh, the next one is from verse 8. And maybe this is the theme verse of most, most churches when you think about community is verse 8 in First Thessalonians 2. It says, So being affectionately desirous of you, you were ready to share with, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our very selves. That selves in the Greek is really... It's psuche, which means like soul. We're ready to share like everything that is within us, of who we are, we're ready to share with you. He says, because you've become very dear to us. Which, interestingly enough, Paul hadn't been there very long, you know, under a month. Uh, and then he's already on a level to where he's ready to share his very soul. Which, if you've moved to a city and you've gone to a church right away and you've seen uh, a church and you hop in, all of a sudden, like, because they're Christians and you're a Christian, you have this immediate connection where you can go deep with someone that you can't do with people that you've known even for a long time because you're Christians. 
That's what's going on here. Paul was able to go deep with people really fast because they were Christians. They have this deep love for Christ, and they're able to be uh, connected at a deeper level. So the fifth trait is that you have a selfless love for other people. You are not only um, sharing the gospel with them, but you're sharing your very soul with them, which is also similar to number six, which, which is that you're, you're ready to be vulnerable. You're ready to share your soul. It takes a while. That, that's not something that happens overnight in community group. You, you go to community group the first day. Uh, by the next week, you're not you know, telling them everything about your life, likely. Uh, that does take time, especially in this kind of transient society in uh, America we live in. But <clears throat> those are the traits, what, what we mean about community. There's more, you know, as much as one's, one another's uh, at, in the Bible. But those are some of the things that we mean when we talk about com- what is biblical community. So let's, let's take that theologizing, because that's what we just did there. We, we broke down what the Bible says mm-hmm. and looked at six traits of biblical community. Um, what, what does this look like, or what should this look like in an average member at Remedy Church? Like, how do they connect this, right, to their, to their everyday, everyday life. weekly life? Um, I think that, just to get really practical, it means that Whenever your community group meets, that you're there. Uh, you do everything you can to let your mind, heart, soul, and schedule and calendar revolve around that group of people and how you're going to do life with them. You, they're, they're your family in a sense. They're not your, your blood family, but they are your spiritual family uh, in the church. And so you, you have to be with them in order to be able to do community with them. I mean, real practically, that's what it means. And then as you're with them, if someone says, hey, this is something going on in my life. I really, really need some help. You don't say, man, okay, let me pray for you, and then never think about it again. But like your own child would tell you something that's going on in their life, then you won't just say, okay, I'm going to pray for you. You actually get super involved to help. And we, would, we, we want to take that responsibility on in its work. There's no doubt about it. But when Paul says we were not only ready to share the gospel, but our own, our very souls, he was willing to do a lot in order to help people. So in your group of 12 or four or six or 10 or 15 of your community group, when people have problems, you, you get involved, you help. Yeah. I remember, um, kind of early going on in this church when I was seven, seven years ago ish, um, joined a community group and a couple, actually it was really two couples, but particularly one, um, really took it upon themselves to spend time inside and outside of community group meetings. So routinely we would see them two or three times a week. And uh, they had the mindset, they had kids, young kids, and their mindset was like, you know, if it's a little bit late, they brought sleeping bags over to our house Mm -hmm. and put the kids down or invited us over to their house, and Sunday, always lunch afterward. Um, and just the time investment that they put in. This is the Killenbecks, right? Yes, the Killenbecks. So how, how, whenever you saw that, because you were new to Remedy, and you probably hadn't experienced tons of like, deep community like that. How, uh, how, did that, how impressionable was that upon you now? Like, what, is, what kind of changes have you made as a community group leader slash elder now because of what you saw from them? Yeah, um, I mean, immediately, it, when I look back at just my time here, it's one of the most visible things in my life that I can see that just had a, a drastic impact on my spiritual 
uh, life, my discipleship with Jesus. Um, what that looks like practically, I mean, we're currently community group leaders, um, but even when we weren't community group leaders and we were just part of community, uh, Chris and I used to, that's my wife, Chris, um, we used to uh, basically every week just invite someone over on Wednesday night from the group or invite everyone over. We'd do like a game night or it would just be like, hey, come socialize. And that helped build kind of relationships that then go back into the group and support um, and so, just friendships too. Real practically, that, then it also can mean uh, the people in your group, you, do want, you want to spend time with them at community group, but you want to try to make as many connections as you can outside of Sunday in your community group with them throughout the week. Hang yeah, out with absolutely. them on Friday nights, hang out with them on Thursday nights, Saturday nights, whatever. Uh, being absolutely. friends with them, really being friends with them. Yep. Mourning with them when they're sad, being happy with them when they're happy. I mean, it's kind of a catch, a common phrase, do life. But it's literally, that is a good way to put it. You're doing life with them. Mm -hmm. So that's what we mean by community is that you really care. I should add that all of those traits that we have uh, in there in 2 Thessalonians, um, they're all possible. uh, And the the entire section builds on 1 Thessalonians 1.5, which is when Paul's describing his entrance into Thessalonica. He says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. So everything that we're talking about when it comes to community is based on the good news of Jesus. But it, it all finds its foundations in the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit working within us to really care for and love and be there for and do community with the people in our lives. So it's fair to say then that if biblical community is happening in and around your life, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has come in power. That we should see that not just like, oh, we, we've gritted our teeth, we've pulled up our bootstraps, and we've built a good community, but God is actually doing something through his church. Correct. Right. You can build community without being a Christian. You can't build biblical community without being a Christian. It has to be centered in, on, and around the gospel. The gospel is the reason why we're together The gospel is the main thing that we're going to talk about. The gospel is the reason why I'm going to love you and care for you and remind you of who you are in Christ. So that would be biblical community, centered in and around the gospel. So anyway, uh, all right, Chris, the second phrase of the membership statement is joining Jesus on mission. What, What do we mean when we say Joining Jesus on mission. Well, I'll let you speak a little bit later to the, the joining part. But, I mean, in essence, Jesus is on mission. That uh, he was sent by his father, right? He became a man. He lived a perfect life. He died the death that we deserve. He uh, is resurrected from the grave. And he's ascended to the right hand. And then he sends the Holy Spirit to his church, right, in Acts 2, Pentecost. And his works continue through his church in Acts. Like the Acts is really, uh, instead of calling it the Acts of the Apostles, it really is the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles or through the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think of the, the Great Commission. Um, and it says, And Jesus came to him and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. A uh, couple of things there, right? It's, it's couched 
It's a sandwich, right? There's a command in it for us to disciple. That's the meat of it. But the the sandwich is uh, Jesus's authority. He has all authority, and he's now commanding us to do something, right, with all authority. And then the second part of the sandwich, right, is uh, he promises to be with us to the end of the age. So while we're obeying this call to make disciples, Jesus is saying to us right there, not only do I have authority and you're obeying my authority, but I am with you. I'm there in the midst doing it right next to you. I'm doing it through you. I'm doing it with you. Um, so there's, a, there's a, a power of presence that's promised to those who are obeying the Great Commission. Um, the, the second thing, right, the meat of it is this verb, dis, make disciples. So it, it kind of looks like there's a bunch of verbs in it in the English, but in Greek, uh, there's really just make disciples, and then there's kind of three descriptors mm-hmm. of what it means to make disciples. There's while you're going. So wh- how are we making disciples? Wherever we're going, it doesn't matter. If we're going to Walmart, if we're going to McDonald's, if we're going to our job, if we're going home, it, we always have the, the opportunity, the context to make disciples. Uh, but, but on that also, it kind of breaks it down into two ways, baptizing Right? And that's a function of the church. And so it's, it's important to keep in mind that when Jesus is commanding us to do this, he's not saying, go FUD individually and do these things. He's saying, go my church mm-hmm. and do these things, be a part of these things. So baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Mm-hmm. And so there's an evangelistic sense when we're doing mission. Non-Christians, we're preaching the gospel and we're inviting them in. But there's also just an ongoing sense that we never stop discipling. Um, I'm still being discipled this day because there's things that Jesus has commanded that I, I'm, I'm either partially observing or I'm not observing well, and I need to be um, called into further walk with Christ to observe those things and be taught to observe those things. So kind of theologically speaking, that, that's what I think of when I think of joining Jesus on mission and uh, just the important factors to remember that this is the church. I mean, look at the book of Acts. This is them fulfilling the Great Commission. What are they doing? Well, they're going around preaching the gospel, but they're planting churches, and they're baptizing people into uh, the church. Um, so it, it's not a mission in an individualistic sense. It's a communal mission for the church. So uh, just one other thing I'm going to add, and then we'll... Talk about how it looks practically. Uh, the joining that we, when we put that in the mission statement, that was intentional. Um, we didn't say doing mission, but instead joining Jesus on mission, which means Jesus is already at work all throughout the city. Um, so you're not, as a believer, having to go up to places like cold turkey and wonder. <laughs> Is mission going to be able to happen here or not? The good news is that Jesus is already doing tons of mission all over the city. And so we're actually just joining Jesus in what he's already doing, which means there's other churches that are doing mission. We're we're not the Savior. Remedy Church is not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior because he's already on mission in the city. We're joining Jesus, the Savior, of what he's already doing here at Remedy, which is a great way to think about it. It's so freeing. Jesus is at work. All I got to do is just go anywhere in the city and go to where, I mean, literally, I don't have to find it because he's already everywhere and join what he's already doing in the life of 
this person, this person, this person, this place, this place. He's everywhere. He's doing something in every particular place. And so it doesn't, it doesn't mean that Remedy Church is the Savior of Rock Hill because Jesus is the Savior of Rock Hill. And it doesn't minimize the 50 and 100 years of work that other churches have done because Jesus has been working through them. Uh, we're just joining everything that's going on already for the glory of Jesus because he's the Savior. So joining is key. It's key. It, it's, an, it's an idea, I think, that came from the uh, Henry Blackaby study a long time ago, but really it comes from the Bible. Um, so, Chris, here's the question for you. What does joining Jesus on mission practically look like for people here at Remedy Church? Like week by week, day by day, what does that practically mean? Yeah, I think there's a... Um... Because we've theologized. Right, we've You've theologized. told us the scriptures right. from Matthew 28. We've explained the Great Commission. So what, what does that mean now? What do we do? Yeah, I think, um, again, just trying to go back to see how the book of Acts, right? If you read it through the lens of the Great Commission, that's literally what they did in observance of Jesus' command for them to go out and make disciples. Wait, 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 wait. So what I'm you're waiting. saying... This is good. That was amazing what you just said. I've never heard it said that way. What you're saying is Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is a summation statement at the end of the book of Matthew of what Jesus had already been doing with his disciples for his entire three years of ministry. Yes. Man, that's a great thing. And continues to do in the book of Acts, right? So Um, as you're going, just like I just did, make disciples. Like I just mm -hmm. did for three years. You watched me do it. It's your turn. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Amazing. I like that. Absolutely. So what does that mean then for us here? Yeah, so for us, uh, the importance of church, the importance of being a part of a local body, right? All the things we kind of mentioned before in biblical community, those are the things that God's using to equip you for mission, to go out and to share the gospel with people. And so uh, there's, there's different levels of it. Um, we participate in the Great Commission from a Sunday service level. We baptize people, right? We have, every once in a while, we have Sundays where we uh, bring up, we've receive the testimony of people, they make a public confession of their faith in Christ, and then we baptize them, thus literally fulfilling one of those uh, qualifying factors on what it means to make disciples. So mm-hmm. being a part of that um, is part of it. Uh, at the community group level, uh, one thing that we practically try to instill in our community groups, right, is this idea of they need to find something that they can, as a group, be a part of in Rock Hill, the community that we're around uh, for the sake of taking the gospel out. So this, this might look like uh, um, we've had community groups that would uh, go to Winthrop International um, meetings where the international students that are on Winthrop campus come and they would host dinners for them and sometimes they would adopt them, which meant they invite them into their homes or groups have done things where they would do monthly meetings and they would invite as many Winthrop International students as possible. And uh, each one of those meetings, they would share the gospel with them they would tie it to some American holiday so they can kind of see, like, oh, this is what American culture is like. Um, and then they would just build relationships with these international students uh, for the sake of the gospel. Um, that's one example. Other examples are groups going and feeding um, the homeless, like being a part of that, and then having opportunity then to share the gospel individually and then on, like, a, a group level. at which church? There's a, there's a church over there on, off Dave Lyle. Yeah, Church of Agape um, yes. has a, a weekly or actually most multi-weekly, um, I think it's four days of the seven days of the week they feed uh, the homeless. Uh, so just different ways that you can plug in at a community group level and, uh, and then just individually, right? I mean, there's, there's a school half a mile from here mm-hmm. that 
Uh, I have a kid that I mentor, and Bex in our community group as well is doing that. Um, I think her kid's name is JJ. <laughs> um, but we, uh, we go over there and hang out with the kid for 45 minutes. That's joining Jesus on mission. These kids need to hear about Christ as well. Um, if anybody at Remedy wants to do that, you just let me know. That's totally something uh, our, the principal there has basically said. We can come and have as many people come and be mentors there uh, that, that want to because she said she's got tons of kids that need help. And she knows that we're, she, she, the principal, sought me, the pastor, a half a mile away out and said, I know you're a Christian. I know that you want to talk about Jesus. I'm not telling you you can't. And we need a lot of mentors. And so, I mean, that's, a, that's an opportunity half a mile away right here from church. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and then on the individual level, we've got different people at the church that are doing different things. Um, you've got the Monday night uh, homeless shelter meetings where a member uh, just meets with guys and just talks with them, has conversations with them. This is um, Andy. Andy right? Pittman. Yeah. And uh, you've also got the uh, frothy fellowship. Andres. Um, Andres going um, to bars late at night intentionally to meet people and share Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. So you got it on the individual level. You've got also from a community group like us pushing this uh, year evangelism, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going through a book uh, by J. Max Stiles on evangelism. And to train the entire to church. To train the entire church and to also just begin getting people to talk about evangelism in the same way we would talk about the Bible, right. in the same way we talk about yeah, prayer, culture. in the same way that football. we talk about foot, more than football, hopefully. But, yeah, that would be great. Um, in the fall, we have a culture of talking about football, right. not just at Remedy, but around the entire south for sure, or even the country. We want to have a culture of where we just talk about Jesus. Yeah, and I think the goal here is uh, when I think of, again, the book of Acts, uh, right after Paul, who saw at this point, is holding the clothes of the men who throw rocks and kill Stephen, right? Stephen's preaching the gospel. It's one of the early martyrdoms in the church, right? And Stephen dies, and then it says a little bit later in the same chapter that everyone but the apostles spread out. They, like, flee to Judea and Samaria. Mm-hmm. But then it adds this just small clause. But while they were doing that, they were sharing the gospel with everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's what we're talking about here. We want to get it to where from the Sunday service level, the community group level, all the way down to the individual level, that no matter what, if we're in fear of our lives or there's a pandemic going on right now, we're in fear of that or right. whatever it is, we are, while we're doing that, we are sharing the word of God with everyone and we're inviting people uh, to Christ. That's what, our, that's what Jesus tells us to do. So here's a question. This is uh, unprompted. This is a new question. Ooh, we're going off script. Yes. So every Sunday at the end of the service, for at least the last six months now, um, I've inserted that we <clears throat> recite the Great Commission right before the benediction. Why would you think that's important for us to make sure we do after our gatherings as we're sent out? to be the church? I mean, there's two levels. Uh, first thing is I totally 100% believe that the trajectory of the entire Bible is God creates his people from his word. Mm-hmm. And so we're putting, this is Jesus's last words to his disciples. This is the foundation of the church, if you will. Um, we're putting that out in front of people and we're asking God through his word, through his Holy Spirit to create a people who fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but secondly, it, it really is probably the best summary 
statement of the mission of the church mm -hmm. that you can find in all of scripture. Mm -hmm. And so just to constantly remind people that, yeah, we've got our mission statement, but our mission statement is, you know, it, it, it's in view of this, right? It's not like we're replacing this. It's, right. These are all things that we do to fulfill this. Right. And so it's just constantly put in front of the uh, church members and um, people that come to Remedy. Uh, this is the mission of the church. This is, what you're, this is your life. This is who you're called to be. The Great Commission. Right. Awesome. All right. Well, that brings us to our last one. Yeah, so uh, let's... Um, Let's talk, let's theologize and talk about, you know, practicalness of this. But our third kind of aspect of our mission statement is practice intentional care. Mm -hmm. So you got community, you got mission, now we've got care. So if I, you know, talk about that with us. What do we mean by that? So intentional care means, um, so we chose the word intentional, intentionally, <laughs> so that uh, we aren't haphazardly doing care for each other or accidentally or uh, frequently, but we're intentionally planning how we can care for the people first in our community group and then church-wide. It finds its basis in this text, John chapter 13 and verse 34. I'm reading from the ESV, the elect standard version. Just kidding. A new commandment I give to you that... You love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So when we say practice intentional care, um, it finds all of its roots in that set of verses. That why we're doing this is because Jesus has commanded. We don't, we don't naturally, naturally find love for other people, especially if they're not like us, right? And he's, he's telling us, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So think as deeply as you can about the love that Christ has displayed for you and given to you. And he's commanding us with that same amount of love that he has actually loved us. We are to turn and express that same love towards First, the people in our church, and then the people in our city. And so he says, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. So like in the first century, um, one of the things that was a mark of the people that were Christians is like, wow, no one loves people and cares for people like these Christians. It's amazing how deeply they care for each other and how much they care for the poor in our city, the widows in our city. Uh, it was, I'm trying to remember a book that I had to read for one of my classes. I can't remember the name of it. But that was one of the dominant themes in the very first century is the remarkable difference that when a church was in a city, a Christian church was in a city, of how much these people really truly cared for, uh, not just the people in their city, uh, in their church, but also everyone else. And so, um, and so you can kind of see that, you know, though we've separated this into three categories, these categories have huge overlap. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Our care opens up a platform for mission. Our community mm -hmm. teaches us how to care. And how to love. Right. And right. in community, we're doing mission. So the, the, the primary basis of in practicing intentional care is based on the love that Christ has shown to us. Mm -hmm. And now we turn that and we love other people by intentionally caring 
not just for them, but about them. Like, I care for you. I really care about you. I care for you. I'm not just going to show that I care you by, by acts, which is good. But also, I, I really do care about you. I really do love like you and who you are, and I want to be there for you. Even if I can't bring you a meal this week or, uh, or something, but I, I really do care about you and I love you. So that's, that's what we mean when we say practicing intentional care. So maybe uh, give some examples. I think examples are good, right? What, what's some examples that you've seen kind of in the last 11 years uh, with Remedy of church members practicing intentional care? Hundreds. Um, so I would say... Give us all 100. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. My brain doesn't work anymore that well. But I would say... Uh, I mean, there's obvious ones, right? Whenever someone has a baby or someone is in the hospital and they're having a a really tough time of uh, getting the day-to-day things done, day-to-day things done around the house, that you would come to their house and you would bring them food, that you would clean their house, that you would take care of their children for them. Um, Right now we have a a couple that's in the NICU. Um, I've experienced NICU life two years ago, uh, and the the care that people had for my family, feeding them, even when I was at home, taking care of my kids, um, trying to do laundry, trying to clean their house for them. I mean, just all those kinds of little things like that. Um, those are the actions. But also there were people that would just, whenever I was in the hospital, uh, that would drive. You know, we, we're not close to Presbyterian Hospital from here. It's a strong 45-minute, almost a two-an-hour drive that would come up there and uh, just sit with me, you know, because I was... We were scared and didn't know what was going to happen. They would just come up there. They would bring me a sandwich and just sit with me for two hours and just talk to me uh, about how I'm doing and give me a chance to not just have to think about what's going on with Evangeline, but just, hey, what's going on in life? Um, they didn't have to do that. You know, They didn't have to take a large chunk of their day to come up there and just sit with me for a couple hours and just, just talk to me. Um, those are some of the things. Yeah, I saw a small example of this really this past Sunday. Um, we had a church member recently had knee surgery, uh, was coming to church for the first time in a while. Um, and uh, another person, one of the greeters, saw her coming in kind of like with the crutches from the parking lot, uh, has a lot of kids, right? Mm-hmm. And this greeter literally ran. I mean, it was like a jog. It was probably a slow jog. But right. ran to uh, we'll, this, yeah, we'll say run, uh, <laughs> ran to this person um, and helped get her kids into church so that she didn't have to, you know, do that with crutches mm-hmm. and even gave one of the kids like her overcoat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was, so just seeing little things like that, right? I mean, um, yeah, that's a, that's a love that, you know, there's no reason for that other than what we have in Christ, right. what we've seen there. Another one is that we have, uh, we have some people in the church that have had difficulties in life. And so I've seen another couple church members be willing to go over to that person's house or invite that person over to their house and spend long hours um, counseling them, listening to what's going on, the hurt they're having, spend hours with them praying, reading the scriptures, um, and trying to gospel them through, counsel them through the difficult situations in their life. Um, those things, of course, if they rise to the, to the position of where an elder needs to step in and do some of the counseling. But sometimes members can do that. And I've seen and heard stories of members 
giving many, many hours uh, to other people in the church that really need help. Um, I mean, there's, there's a good bit. Over and over and over, it's just think about the people around you who are hurting and what are the real things that I can go do right now to really care for them. And yeah. It's all based on the love of Christ. So let's try to land this plane. I'm going to skip over one because I felt like we actually put the practicalness mm-hmm. already in each of the categories. But I do want to mention we we seem to have almost forgotten a phrase out of our mission statement. Right. <laughs> it says, Remedy Church exists to glorify God. So if I t- tell us, like, what, what does this have to do with the glory of God? Um, as the Westminster Confession says, right, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right. Chief end, chief end of man uh, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, <clears throat> So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Uh, it's interesting that he picks eat or drink. So he picks something that can be considered pretty mundane, that must be done every single day. So from the smallest of most mundane tasks that are things that you must do every day, then assuming to the largest things in your life that you have to do, raising your child, uh, your marriage, being a part of a church, from the biggest to the smallest tasks that you have to do in all of your life, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So the reason why we do everything is for the glory of God. The reason why we do community, ultimately, is so that God receives glory. The reason why we do mission, ultimately, is to reach people, but ultimately, for the glory of God. The reason why we do care is to help people, but ultimately, for the glory of God. So um, what we mean when we say um, that we do this uh, exist to glorify God, it's because we want everything that we do, ultimately, the ultimate aim of all things is to glorify God. Of course, the byproducts of this would be obeying God by doing community, obeying God by doing mission, obeying God by doing care. But, um, but ultimately, we want God to receive glory. We think that it's better for God's glory to be enhanced by doing these things. Um, one little take on that Westminster which I really like, is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I think it's Desiring God by Piper. He says, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. This is just a side note, but I really love it because um, what he's trying to help us see is that um, enjoying God, enjoying treasuring, loving, finding your highest treasure in God uh, is glorifying God. The chief end of man is to glorify God by like, enjoying him. So he, he's making a case in his Christian hedonism that we should find our highest love and treasure in Jesus. And as we do that, as we by enjoying him, as we enjoy him, then we give him glory. And so we should really enjoy doing community mission and care because it's obeying God, and we should enjoy helping people and leading people to Christ, but we should also ultimately love the fact that God's getting glory from it. Yeah, and I think it's uh, just kind of in this to land this plane. Um, you know, I think of the way in which God is going to bring about that 
kind of mankind, right? The one who glorifies God by enjoying him forever. Uh, the way that he did that is by sending his only son, right? Jesus. And he's creating the church to be that, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, Remedy Church exists to glorify God by fostering biblical community, joining Jesus on mission, and practicing intentional care. And uh, we'll be back with episode two. Uh, the goal is to get these things down to 20 minutes. We might have done this one like two hours, but that's okay. Yeah, it's not 20. We'll get better.